that, baby! But here, I've met a lot of people and I've played some too. And there's one thing I know, people like to talk. <laughs> it's the Spudcast. That's where you at. Hey, where baby? <laughs> Yo, making this evening. Thanks for joining me here on the Spudcast podcast. I'm talking out my ass with Clerker Court Austin Baddon, who's going to tell us all about this uh, latest thing where all the, the Fed's kicking in money to try to make the landlords whole. And unfortunately, too many people who received that rent money didn't give it to the landlords to make them whole. So now everybody in the hole. So Austin Battle on the Spudcast right after lists. Do you know what it means to miss New Orleans? The next time you have to travel, take along a couple of pounds of Parish coffee, and you won't be missing New Orleans for long. Brewed right here in the land of coffee lovers, Parish coffee has the taste you're looking for. From dark roast to coffee and chicory to flavored coffees like Bananas Foster or Bourbon Pecan, French Vanilla or King Cake, or you name it, Parish coffee has a flavor just right for you. Look for the bright purple bag in the coffee aisle of your favorite market. Or order it online. Have it sent right to your door. What a perfect gift for any coffee aficionado. Sip the soul of New Orleans in every cup of Parish Coffee. Uh-oh, that doesn't sound too good. You better start filling sandbags. Oh, wait, you don't have to do that anymore because you have the home team advantage. You called home team elevation at 504-301-1222 and you got your home lifted above the flood. No more worries for you. What about your mama's house or your uncles or your brothers? Home team is ready to lift their spirits even higher than your home. Get the home team advantage by calling 504-301-1222 or go to hometeamelevation.com. And we're talking to Clerker Court Austin bad on because, uh, well, just because it's a pleasant conversation. I mean, you know, frankly, one of these days, Austin, I think I should call you up and instead of in your official capacity, we should just BS about beer and what you like for breakfast and that kind of such. But, you know. I'm down with that, you know. Uh, I personally like a, a good banana nut muffin for breakfast uh, and uh, some coffee. I'm a so bacon and eggs I'll tell you what. That, that's a little heavy for me, you know, trying to keep my weight down. Well, I've never been able to do that. <laughs> I've given up on that, man. <laughs> I th- although I did get I did get my A1C down below 6. So I'm, I'm, I used to be on two insulins. Now I'm only on one. So I'm getting, I'm getting better there. But other than that, no, you know, I, sorry. Can't go make it. Well, I, ha- I have to tell you that uh, I'm probably back in May. I was diagnosed with prostate cancer. Oh, Lord. And so, yep. And I always thought, you know, this happens to some guy in the 70s or 80s. But nope, it could happen to you at a younger age. And um, I've never been the kind of guy who's been afraid to go to the doctor. But, you know, because I always was like, I didn't want the doctor to say, well, you should have came and saw me six months ago. Enjoy these next couple months. Yeah. So I went to the doctor and... He did the um, he did a blood test, and the next day he called me and told me that my PSA was up, and I went for some tests, and they found out that I had prostate cancer, and uh, on August the second they removed my prostate, some other lymph nodes from around it, and they got everything, so I am good now because of early detection. Well, I tell you what, 
the guy who directed me in The Kingfish and Earl Long and a bunch of other stuff, Perry Martin, he and I started college together back at Nichols in 1976. He went to get a blood test at Terrebonne General. And he's, he's legally blind. He can't drive. So uh, his friend was driving him back to Thibodeau where he was staying at the time. And I mean, they were halfway between Homa and Thibodeau. And they call it, bring, come back, come back now. And they did. And, and they took more blood tests. They went, dude, it, we got to remove your prostate. And when they did it, they scheduled the first thing the next morning. And they said, if we'd have waited till nighttime, it would have bust and it would have been everywhere and it would have been it. So, you know, wow. I yeah. mean, who knew, yeah. you know? So, oh, yeah. You know, and you think this happens to someone else and. It was it was ironic because I saw two of my buddies on two consecutive days, and they told me they had prostate cancer. And I didn't know I had I had it as well. And you know, I, I'm I'm thinking, man, I'm so sorry. Is there anything I can do for you? Wish you the best. The whole time I had it, and then I went to the doctor and found out, and they confirmed it. Mm-hmm. The, uh, I, I, the the biopsy was brutal. Um, if you if you ever saw the video of the lion eating the zebra while the zebra's still alive, I know how the zebra feels. <laughs> well, it's one of them things, though. I, I tell all, all the young men that I know, like my son, he's he'll be 23 in January. And it's like, dude, you know what? Once you hit 30... Here come the rubber glove, and no matter what, I'm, well, I'm going for a two. I'm going to the dentist. Ah, they're gonna check your prostate anyway. You know, get ready, <laughs> bend over the table with your with your long handle flap down, and just uh, get ready to grin and bear it. And hopefully, they don't leave their their dive watch up in there. You know, so. I know, yeah, that's a, a running joke, you know. But when when I went for mine, the doctor said, "Well, we don't do the glove anymore." So I thought, "Hey, I beat the system. I'm out of here. Take some blood. I'm out." And then I got the diagnosis, and my universe stopped. You know, when you get the uh, the cancer diagnosis. Yeah. Uh, I went out to MD Anderson because they have a new procedure out there that they call it a nerve sparing procedure, and uh, it really helps in the recovery. So uh, nothing against the locals here, but I went out there because those people are the pros. They do it every day, all. Day. Yeah, that's what and they focus on. You know, it's like you don't you don't go to them for heart surgery, but you do go to them for cancer. Well, well, I'm glad you're over it because, you know, I, I've enjoyed all our conversations in person and on, on the podcast like this because I always seem to learn something when you're there and uh, you have a, an even temper. I, You know what? I've known you, what, 15 years, six, eight, almost 20, and I ain't never I seen you lose your cool. No, uh-uh, uh-uh. Cool is the other side of the pillar. And it's never been my first rodeo, and I'm like a duck. It just washes off my back, you know, so... Bring it on, and um, you know life is life is filled with challenges, and you have to meet those challenges head on, and you just can't lose your cool with anything. No, no, you can't, because it doesn't do any good, really, really truly. Yeah, I lose my cool all the time, and then after I've gotten my composure back and went, now I'm like, what was that 15, 20 minutes that I ain't gonna get back because I was too busy being spending 15, 20 minutes being pissed off about something that I can't deal with when I'm pissed off. So. Oh yeah. I mean, 20, 15, 20 minutes of your life, you could never get back. So why bother? You know, you just keep the things that's important to you, close to you. And uh, that's your, mm. I call it effort, faith and family. Maybe I should drink more. Nah, nah. A little hot toddy for the body to calm me down or something like that. I don't know if that's going to work. But it tastes good. That's the important part. 
So yeah, you know, I can't tell you the last time I had a drink, man, <laughs> and I don't miss it. Uh, well, I, I still drink. I just don't do it very often. I can tell you the last time I had a drink, I had a, a bourbon on the rocks this past Tuesday speaking at a Rotary Club meeting in Homa. And it's like, now, the last time I had a drink before then, that I would have to sit down and study on. I could, I can't tell you. So. Now, that's my drink, too. I love a good bourbon, but I, I enjoy it straight up. I don't particularly care for it on the rock or with anything because I don't like it to get watered down. Well, I'm with you on that one, but it was like, you know, just, it, it, I don't even think about asking for it straight. Just, just give me a, two fingers of bourbon, and uh, some people will put it on the rocks, and some will just give it to you straight, and I just drink whatever they put up there, as long as it's a good brand, you know. Right. Give me some Maker's Mark or something like that. What's uh, your favorite brand? Pappy Van Winkles, but I can't afford it. <laughs> John Goodman gave me a, a 23-year-old bottle of Pappy's on my 50th birthday. I will be 63 next week, and I still got about a, maybe 20% of that bottle left. That's how rarely I drag that bad boy out, you know? That's good. Okay. I usually drink Maker's Mark or Wild Turkey, which, by the way, was... Uh, was uh, Earl Long's favorite bourbons, so. Wild turkey, okay. And Maker's Mark, yeah, I got, yeah, you know. But I again, I don't drink as much. I don't hardly drink anymore. I'm very, I'm a social drinker, and and you know what? I'm I'm usually the designated driver, so I'll I'll have one, or we'll go out to a restaurant. Like we love to go to Mexican restaurants. I'll have a uh, a tecate with lime and salt on it, you know, and I'll have right. one. Maybe two, but I'll have both of those within the first half hour of being there, and then ninety minutes in a restaurant eating Mexican food and tortillas and everything. I'm, believe me, I'm, I'm I know my limit if I'm gonna get behind a wheel. So, okay, yeah. okay. So now I, I love I love a good Woodford Reserve. That's that's the favorite of my choice. That that's a good that's a good bourbon. That's a good bourbon. It really yeah. is. I anyway. like that one. Yeah, Woodridge. Anyway, all right. Well, let's let's get down to the reason I called you, since we're almost done with this segment. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, okay. So I'm reading in the paper um, about landlords getting federal money, and well, actually, not getting federal money. Okay. So so uh, the feds passed uh, whatever. I don't. I don't even remember if it was a law or it was a thing. And you and I spoke about it about the eviction notices and they postponed eviction and, and cut people off because of COVID and everything else. You could not evict people. And all these, moratorium. yeah, a moratorium. So all these, all these landlords are sitting there going, I still got to pay. And we talked about this briefly too. I still got to pay my note. I still got to pay insurance. I got to pay bills. If I, if, if I'm the one covering the lights and the water on the units that I rent out and all these people are getting to live there for free and I ain't making no money. So then finally the feds come across and they're going to say, okay, we're going to, you know, recompense you for your lost wages. But it seems to me uh, from what I'm reading in the story that half the people who got the money from the feds didn't go pay their landlords. And so now the landlords are just in exactly the same boat, except the taxpayers like me have forked out a bunch of money that didn't go where it was supposed to go. So what do they do? Sacraments or something. <laughs> no, that's that was one of the three gifts that the wise men brought. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we both go so, to hell now. You kind of, you kind of got the story right. And l let me tell you, there's a lot of good. 
lot of good wrenches out there who are doing the right thing, and a lot of people are struggling, and families are struggling, and um, you know they are they're trying to make ends meet, and I know where where they are, you know, and I feel for them because at one point in time, years ago, I, I it happened to me. I was one of them. I was uh, living away, and the job where I was working. Uh, closed up and I was alone and I couldn't make ends meet, you know, and Mm -hmm. so I had to be on unemployment and fortunately I was able to find another job. So I I know the the plight of a lot of people Uh, and there's two sides to it. The landlords are, you know, in the same situation because they have bills, they have the tax bill, they have the, the insurance, they have the repairs. In some cases they have the water bill. And what we found is after we gave a lot of money to people in what is called emergency rental assistance, a lot of people did do the right thing and made their landlords whole. But I have gotten an increasingly large number of landlords who have called my office and also sent in formal letters of complaint saying that my tenant has not paid me anything and I'm aware that the tenant did get emergency rental assistance. And I, I'll tell you a story that I had on Monday. I'm, I'm walking down Fortress, and uh, I see a buddy and his girlfriend, and, you know, they're asking me if I know of any places because she just left eviction court after receiving 24 hours to vacate. And I asked her, I said, did you receive emergency rental assistance? She said, yes. I said, well, how much did you receive? She said $9,750. And I'm thinking, wow, because the average gift is between five and six thousand. And so I said, well, how much of that did you give to your landlord? And she said, nothing. Oh, I wonder why she got evicted. <laughs> exactly. And she said, nothing. And so I'm like, well, why did you give it to your landlord? She said, well, I paid, you know, um, my car note. I paid my... Uh, phone bill, my light bill, uh, and I'm thinking, but, you know, it's supposed to go to your landlord so that your landlord could be made whole and you could keep a roof over your head. So I asked her, I said, well, how much do you have left? She says, nothing. So she spent the rest of the money on some other stuff she wouldn't tell me about. But, um, you know, that's what I'm hearing from landlords more and more, that they're just not getting the rental assistance that they're owed. And yeah. that's that's a problem, and it's going to explode even more. All right. We're going to step away for a second and pick it up right here and, and find out what can people do about this. Not only What can the landlords do about it? What should the renters do about it? And what's going to happen, you know, if if we keep, if, if there are more and more people, like you said, exploding, like the, the lady you talked to on the street. Anyway, back with more on this podcast, talking with Austin Battle right run after this. Hey, guess what? The pandemic's finally winding down. Looks like you might get to go on a little vacay, but where are you going to go? I got an idea. Go fishing. Get yourself a licensed and insured fishing guide at lasaltwater.com. They got a guide for everything and every place. Inshore fishing, offshore fishing, fly fishing, kayak fishing, bow fishing, you name it fishing. At lasaltwater.com, there's pictures and videos of all the happy fishermen and women and kids. And don't be the one that got away. Go to lasaltwater.com and book your charter today. It's summertime, summertime, some, some, summertime, and that means hurricanes and heat. So how are you going to handle it this year? How about with a brand new whole house generator and an upgraded AC system from Serentine Refrigeration? 
My power went out during Hurricane Zeta for 10 whole seconds. Then my Serentine service generator kicked in. We were even able to run extension cords to the neighbor. And Serentine will keep your AC running smooth and cool even in the dead of August. Call Serentine today, 504-833-8831. 833-8831, tell them Spud sent you. And we're back with Austin Banaw talking about... Uh... I, mean, I, I can't, you know, this story you just told about the lady, okay, she's just left eviction court, so she got 24 hours to get out, so let's find a place. She got 9700 bucks to make her house whole, and she blew it, and now she's now she's like, well, I need a place to stay. So I, I can't I can't fathom how people think that way, Austin. I mean, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I, I can't even respond to your story because it is so ridiculously outlandish. I can't believe anybody is now out looking for a place to live. And why in the hell would anybody want to give her an apartment knowing this particular story? You know? Well, you know, that's that's the problem that I informed her. I said, you know, that debt that you incurred that you owe to your landlord, the only people that could forgive that is the landlord or the federal government. And neither one of them are probably prone to forgiving it. Now, you are open and have opened yourself to a civil case where your landlord could sue you and that is going to go on your credit report. So if you try to go buy a vehicle, or if you try to go buy a property, or if you try to go to another apartment complex, they're going to ask you, one, do you have an eviction history? And two, do you have rental debt? And a lot of these apartment complexes are on the same network. So it's going to show up again. I, I can't understand, you know, the thought pattern with like this one individual but these are your landlords. These are people who put a roof over your head. And that money, when you accepted that money, it was specifically told to you that it is for your upcoming rent or rental arrears, moving expense, I'm sorry, household expenses or utilities. It is not to pay your car notes or it's not to pay your light bill. And, um, I mean, you can use it for your light bill, but, I mean, the bulk of the money yeah. should go to the landlord. You, it's not, you're not even supposed to use it to go buy groceries. You're supposed to use it to pay your light bill, pay your water bill, pay your rent. That's what you're supposed pay to use rent. it for. I mean, I don't think anybody would complain too much if you went to the grocery store and bought some, and bought some, you know, a, a, a bunch of raviolis or something like that. But, but yeah, you're supposed right. to use it to keep, to make that. Are you going to see, I mean, you think, you think we're going to see more and more of that exploding and then what's, what's, are we going to see more homeless people or are we going to see more families of five living in a two bedroom apartment? I think what you're going to see is that whole concept of not paying the landlord that might catch on like wildfire and you're going to see uh, a lot more tenants saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep the money and just go live with mama. And then you're going to have more evictions that are going to come about because the landlords, now there's no more moratorium. You can evict people for just cause. You, you want your property back, you can evict them. And so you're going to see a lot more uh, evictions. And we have seen an uptick in evictions, and we've also seen an uptick in civil cases where the landlord has decided that they – they're just fed up, and they want to. Uh, they know the tenant received money, and they want their money back. Are we going to see more landlords just so just say screw it and uh, turn their apartments into Airbnbs and not to worry about people like this anymore? I mean, get there. I mean, we see too much Airbnb stuff anyway. I think, although here I am talking about it, and I have to go to Houston in a in a couple of months, and I'm going to Airbnb it, but. Uh, but yeah, if I was a landlord and I just had to evict three or four people 
and they, I know they got federal money. I'm not in. I'm not opening my door to anybody else anymore. I'm going to Airbnb it, and I'm going to get, you know, in in two weekends, I'm going to make what I'd normally make in a in a month, and jack up the thing. And then the next thing you know, you ain't going to be able to get no apartment. You're going to have to live, you know, a two hour bus ride away from the city to come into town to work. I think this has left a bad taste in a lot of landlords' mouths. They are getting rid of their property. They don't want to deal with it anymore. And some of them are uh, very hesitant about renting anymore. They might wind up increasing the uh, the number of Airbnbs. But a lot of the landlords that I've spoken to over the last year and a half since you know uh, I've been dealing with this pandemic and eviction moratorium, they're they're just fed up and they just don't want to deal with renting anymore. So they're either selling their property or, you know, letting somebody else in their family take care of it. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a real issue that, you, you know, it's caused a lot of sour grapes with a lot of people. When, and also being a landlord um, ain't exactly easy. I mean, you, you know, there's, there's a lot of things you've got to deal with, a lot more than people think just show up and, and get the rent money. you got things that happen with the apartment that you've got to fix. you got land, you got tenants who, like, you know, trash the place or something and, or you show right. up and you want to do an inspection because something's wrong and they won't let you in or all kinds of, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that could go wrong. And for the landlord that, that, you know, they ain't exactly making money hand over fist doing this stuff anyway. Oh man, I had one property and I was so glad when I sold it, I got rid of it. My life instantly got better. You know, you might, you might see your account go up, you know, because of the, the, the money that's coming in. But let me tell you, I remember my rent was going up and the account was getting trapped. I had a pipe that burst underneath. They had to go fix it and tunnel it. I didn't have anything left. It just, it just for me, it wasn't worth it. Everybody says you have to have a lot of them in order for yeah. it to make a difference. But for, for this, you know, this situation, uh, the U.S. Department of Treasury wrote up the policy, and I'm going to ask them to reevaluate it because – from day one, but I said this is this is wrong. The money should go directly to the people who it's owed, and that's the landlords. And mm-hmm. they would have been made whole from day one. Now let me ask you this: uh, I, I, until I got married, I, I lived in apartments. Okay, and I'm I'm not I'm not Mister Fix It, uh, one guy in a toolbox, but I can do a lot of stuff. And I would just uh, a lot of times I just do stuff on my own, and I wouldn't even tell the landlord. But there were times that yeah, I had to go fork out a few bucks. I don't. I never had a landlord that said, "Okay, if it's an expensive thing, they can go ahead and take it off the rent." They all. They all said that. But is that a standard thing in 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 something like this? That I go to them, go, "I need a whole new toilet. It's broken. I'll replace it. I'll show you the receipt, and I'll that'll take that off my rent." Is that a standard thing, or that's something you got to arrange ahead of time? I think it's something that you arrange and have. It's good to always have communication. You married. I'm married. It's always good to have communication. And I can tell you, speaking personally, when my tenant would tell me, you know, he was pretty handy. He would say, well, hey, I'm, uh, we, we have this issue. I'm going to fix it. I, I would definitely take something off the rent because he's helping me out. You know, that mm-hmm. tenant is helping me out going by the product, fixing it. I mean, he's helping me out. So the right thing to do was for me to take something off the rent and not charge him for rent because he was coming out of pocket on my property. Yeah. So, um, Not only that, but coming out of pocket, but also, I mean, I never, I never asked for more than what I spent, you know, but now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, maybe I should have got an extra 50 bucks for myself because he didn't have to hire somebody to do it and pay for the stuff. 
but yeah. that's but that's something between you and your landlord. Yeah, that's something that you arrange uh, with you, your landlord, and the tenant. You know, to have some type of agreement. Um, not every tenant is could fix things up, so you yeah. know, um, it just depends on each circumstance. Yeah, now that's why I got a friend of mine. Yeah, well, my friend Perry. You know, uh, we were talking about before. Uh, he but he's now, always lived in apartments. Yeah. Now the program has expanded to where landlords could apply for the rent as well, for the rental assistance. So you go to ready.nola.gov. Now, if the tenant applies for it, this is, this is the tricky part. If the tenant applies for it and the tenant gets the money and the tenant were to leave, they're not going to pay on the same unit twice. If the tenant applies for it and the landlord applies for it, the landlord would get the money. If the landlord applies for it, the landlord gets the money. So they've kind of created a scenario of who gets there first, you know, to, yeah. to set it up. And I think that's wrong to put people in that situation. You should just have it set up to where the landlord applies and the landlord gets the money. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Because people are weak. I know I am, you know. And, I mean, all of a sudden you got nine, $10,000 dropped in your lap. You know, think about the apartment since for a year and a half, you ain't had to pay no rent. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you you might you might get more than that uh, mm -hmm. dropped into your lap, and you say, oh, well, you know, I, I'll go live with mama. And, yeah. you know, now you, you've got this, this bonus. Yeah, now you but you got, you're pissed away, and you're going to be living with mama for the rest of your days because ain't nobody else going to rent you an apartment. So... If and you, this is not everybody. No, it's not even close to everybody, but it's too many of them, you know. And, I mean, if you right. had any real sense, you'd take that, that $10,000. If you ain't going to go pay the landlord, go put a down payment on a $100,000 house and start making house notes and have something yourself. But, yeah, but, and this is federal money. This is our tax money yeah. that needs to have oversight and be, uh, you know, checked and, and made sure that it goes to what it's supposed to go to. But they know about it, and this is not a New Orleans problem. This is a national problem. Yeah, it is. Well, mm -hmm. anytime the Fed stick their nose on somewhere, it's a national problem, Austin. <laughs> <laughs> it's always going to be that way. Austin, how, I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving, man. Thanks for taking the time today. You too, my friend. God yeah. bless you, and all the best. Be safe out there. You too. Watch out for the crazies now. Wrapping up the Spudcast right after this. Well, it finally looks like we're going to be spared the COVID lockdown this summer. Of course, there's other medical needs besides the big cootie sprains, breaks, stitches, pink eye, bug bites, sunburn. Some of these can be diagnosed and treated over the phone with telemed. But whatever your malady, Rapid Urgent Care is open 365, even on holidays, ready to treat you quickly and professionally. Whether you're on the North Shore or the South Shore, summertime bobos don't stand a chance at Rapid Urgent Care. Just go to rapidurgentcare.com for the address and number of the clinic nearest you. Are you ready to launch? The American Space Alliance wants to accelerate and support space exploration for the benefit of all Americans, and not just for national pride. You know how many products are created by and for NASA that we use every day? Scratch-resistant lenses, dustbusters, LASIK eye surgery, solar cells, firefighting equipment, LEDs, insulin pumps, the list just keeps on growing, and it needs to keep on growing, because the next generation of space exploration has arrived and the American Space Alliance and NASA want you to be involved. You can follow ASA on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Go to exploreasa.org to find out more. Okay, Austin Bannon. Who knew he, had, he was a cancer survivor? That man never ceases to astound me. Anyway, got more stuff coming up this week. By the way, there's a new brewery in town. Um, 
a boozery, I should say. We'll be talking to those guys, too. You like sake? I've never been a sake guy myself, but, uh, you know, far be it for me to tell you, you can't have it. Anyway, thanks for joining me on the Spudcast Podcast. You can find me here on uh, on Twitter, at SpudGotThat. You can find me on Red Circle and Spotify and uh, Google and Stitcher and Public Radio and a whole bunch of others. And on my Facebook page, is Spud's Friends and Fans, John McConnell and the Big TZ. In the meantime, y'all keep listening here. Got a new podcast starting up called uh, TCU Food Bank, taking care of you. So stay tuned for that, and Bradner will be on later on this week, too. So all kinds of coolness here on the Spud system of podcasting. In the meantime, y'all watch out for the crazies, but I'm a gone pecan.